Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Sport Flex podcast and I'm happily joined by Bristol Flyers captain Daniel Adozi. What is good bro? Brian man how you doing? Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and I'm hoping that this conversation is going to be filled with great insight. Yeah, man, be insightful. For those I don't know, I'm not going to spoil it, but Daniel's story is very, very, like, it's crazy, to say the least. But anyway, Daniel, how are you? How's life? Lockdown? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, enjoying it, making the most of it. Um, grateful for the fact that I'm still able to play sport and still able to do what I love, of course. Um you know, and if we think about this pandemic and all the struggles and all the, uh, the adversities and the changes of circumstances that's brought to the table, you know, what can you really complain about if you still if you still have a roof over your head and all those yeah. things that you need necessary for survival? So, you know, just thinking about like how grateful I am and how grateful for the things I do have in life. So, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing to complain about over here, let's say the least. That's good to hear, man. And how's like? training bins because obviously when lockdown happened you couldn't train I guess couldn't go to the gyms couldn't link up how has that whole process gone uh to be fair no we we have actually been able to train um lucky we have a facility that's flexible and so we we had the facility has a gym uh we're able to use and stuff like that and we also have like a sports hall where we can shoot and practice and all sorts of stuff so um yeah you know it's not it's not been too bad you know it's been it's actually been quite blessed. Like, honestly, it's been quite blessed because I'm sure there's some clubs that depend on certain facilities out that where they don't have that facility to train. And they, because of lockdown, as you said, like they closed down mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's been good, man. It's been, it's, like, it's been actually good still. And, and also, too, like the players that we have, you know, work ethic and, and just how much everybody wants to get after it is also a bonus. You know, it's just trying to, string those wins that we need in order to feel good about ourselves as a team yeah and have you picked up any hobbies during the lockdown period like the first lockdown when you couldn't play any basketball uh have i picked up any hobbies uh well what what depends what you want to consider well i guess it is what what is i mean i usually like do reading and stuff oh, yeah, um this is some podcasts meditate you know, meditate isn't a hobby that's like essential <laughs> for the mind and stuff <laughs> um yeah no i haven't picked well i've kind of picked up a little bit on like i don't know creating a little bit of content but just for fun you know like i don't know like like for example me and my girlfriend we started up like a food page and uh, we just got into that a little bit and was creating some content around some of the food that was making and just trying to like promote like plant-based diets as a way of le- living and stuff like that um so yeah that was quite interesting i picked up a lot of cooking love cooking and then good. you know now we're at home and stuff like in lockdown especially like not, now you really can't go out and go eat anywhere so you have to cook at home yeah. uh, and those processed meals ain't gonna do the job or ain't gonna get the job done <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you know those those frozen those frozen ready meals and stuff so yeah. um but yeah, yeah, it's just let's say um, I wanted to get into a little bit of gardening, but of course, like where we live, we don't have a garden sort of thing. But it's still like just the idea of thinking, oh, maybe I could do this, or maybe I could do that. So trying to like uh, fancy it up a little bit in the back back of our place of where we live in. So, but yeah, other than that, um, yeah, no, I've really picked up anything like 
new to say the least. Yeah. Ah, cool. That's interesting. But anyway, mm. let's go to your journey, Daniel. Now, you've got a very strong American accent, but you're not actually born in America, are you? You're born in London. Yeah. Yeah, I actually am. Um, and it's quite interesting because people always ask me, oh, you sound American. What part of America are, are you from? And I'm like, well, it's a long story, but I was actually born in uh, in, in London, as you say. And I was, to be specific, I was actually born in South London in Greenwich. Ooh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, South London, cheese, yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, big up to this, big up to everybody from South London. Come you know, on, you know. <laughs> Come on, man. And people, people underestimate in South London. You know, it's beautiful, man. It's the best part yeah, of London. That's all we need to it know. It is. It is. It's the it's the grimy part, but people make it out of the grimy part to get to a certain <laughs> level. You know. Yeah. But yeah, so born in South London, and. Um, yeah, I moved around a lot. So I went from we went. We, it's just me and my mom, by the way. So we moved from like we moved from Greenwich or Abbeywood uh, to like Twickenham, and then we ended up in Norbury, uh, not too far away from. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, not too far away from where my mom stays now, actually. And um, yeah, we stayed there. We, we moved around like not even just within London, but also in and out of England as well. We went to America a, few, a couple of times. Went to Nigeria a couple of times. So uh, had, had like different experiences, moving different places. And so um, at the age at, at well at the age of eleven, like after moving back and forth so many times, like this is we we moved to America, and this was like our third time moving there. And so uh, we we, st- we we went through, we, we ended up going to Boston. Uh, and initially I thought, oh, okay, we might be going to like New York or Florida or Texas where we have family members. Yeah. But unfortunately, like we wasn't going in, we wasn't going to any of those places. So at the age of 11, you're kind of confused because you're like, okay, well, what else are we doing here sort of thing? Mm. And so... Um, and so, you know, a couple of days go by after landing in Boston and then we end up in Las Vegas, uh, take a three-day Greyhound bus trip, you know. Three days. Three days. Three days on the bus. Imagine three days on the National Express. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mad, you know. But, uh, yeah, so we ended up moving to, we ended up going to Las Vegas after this three-day three long bus trip. And, and then we ended up, kind of like in the space of where like like i don't know like what are we doing here like generally what are we doing here and so um after getting to boss after getting to las vegas you know a couple hours after we get to the bus station we just sat there for like three hours three four hours and time's going by and still nothing and out of nowhere uh this random lady just comes and sits next to my mom and they start talking and then before we know it you know a couple hours after talking uh, we end up leaving a bus station and finding like some sort of random accommodation, um, like mm-hmm. a flat basically, or renting a flat for a week. And I think it was doing it by like weekly payments. And so, uh, yeah, we st- so we stayed in this flat for, for like a week or so. And then after that, it's like things just suddenly changed and turned around. And we ended up moving um, from a flat and then instantly becoming homeless. And, mm-hmm. you know, before I knew it, like, it was it's like I was quickly quickly humbled and before we knew it, we had a new set of changed circumstances and so um from a flat to then living in a shelter 
was like an eye-opening experience, you know, just the first time you're on the borderline of homelessness, but you, you, you have, you're sleeping in a building where, you know, of course you can be accommodated. Um, so then, you know, stayed in, stayed in the shelter for a few months or a couple of months, and I was going to school at the time, fortunate enough. Um, but then, you know, it, it was still that realization that you're in school, but then you don't actually have a normal home to go to. So, mm-hmm. and every time you go back to where you're staying, you're staying in like a building where there's people who, you know, have kids or people who are in like these sort of random situations or people who probably have, a, who have addiction to something. You just, mm-hmm. just never know. And so, um, you know, I, it is that kind of thing where you couldn't really do nothing about it. So you just have to kind of, I guess, adjust or adapt to the new change. And then after a few months, we ended up going to Los Angeles. And um, Los Angeles was quite interesting because I'd never been here before. Don't know what, never have heard of this place. You heard of LA? You know, and it, never heard of LA, not at the age of 11. No, of course not. Wow. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm listen. I never heard. Only if you, if you're a kid in England and you hear about America, the only place you hear about is New York. You know, you don't hear New York and maybe Florida. Well, at least back then, because of the army, because of the and, yeah, yeah. That that is very true. But then there's that movie. There's that movie coming to America, and that's based in New York, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. Like you didn't, you don't think nothing else exists far beyond New York, but despite there's a whole world, there's another big world out there. So yeah. Anyway, uh, we get to Los Angeles, and yeah, we're going through this sort of misunderstanding sense of this journey and what's going on, and um, we're staying in and out of different shelters and from place to place and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I know this is a bit of a long story, but I'm going to try and put it in a nutshell. No, you can so, explain it. You've you got time. you got time? Okay. Yeah. Depends on how much time you want. <laughs> enough time, bro. So, no limit. Enough time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I get, okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, we end up moving to Skid Row, uh, moving, to Lo- moving to Los Angeles, and we come across this area in Los Angeles called Skid Row. Yeah, now, for the first time, Skid Row, uh, at the age of 11, 12, somewhere between there, it's like this is what where I just came from in Las Vegas, but times twenty type thing. You know, it's like like it's 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 people on the streets uh, sleeping in cardboard boxes, using uh, shopping carts or shopping baskets as like foundations for a small house, and putting a cardboard box over the top with like a a, a sort of um, duvet to for for the front door sort of thing um you know there's there's this there's people that are walking around looking like they they're just in this state you know and it's it's kind of unfortunate to look at uh you have people who are are addicted to again substance abuse and all sorts of things that don't actually you know promote any sort of uh health and well-being um and then and then not only that like not only are you just observing the people but the environment uh the, there's like this stench in the air like literally i'm not I'm, I'm not lying to you there's there's a stench in the air where it's it's like it's hard to breathe like it's mm. i don't know if you ever been to like i don't know um glastonbury festival or something like that and you know when you're walking past the toilets you know exactly yeah you know what that is it's it's like that but 
in this whole area. You know, it's it's kind of it's, it's a bit it's a bit uh interesting, and so you know, walking through that, it's just like you know, part of you is just thinking, I want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> this, is, this isn't, I know I've seen better, you know, this isn't a place that I think is suitable for me and suitable for my, like, morals and conditions. And so, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, it was still, I was still going to school and stuff. Even when I was going to school, uh, it was still coming back to this reality and just, there's like no way out of it. There's no escape. Yeah. Um, so anyway, after staying a couple months there and going back and, uh, and, and moving around a little bit within Los Angeles, we ended up going back to Las Vegas, experiencing everything all over again. Mm. But now this time, you know, there's even much more like worse sort of uh, experiences in terms of like one day uh, my, my mother, like, I guess she knew somebody somewhere. So we go on this bus trip, like a local bus trip, but it was like an hour to get there. We get there, uh, we leave around, we leave from like downtown Las Vegas, six o'clock, and we get there like eight o'clock, seven, eight o'clock, somewhere around there. And um, we ended up getting there. The person that she thought lives there doesn't live there anymore. And so uh, someone had called the police and said, oh, these people are trespassing or soliciting or whatever. The police came, told us we need to get off the property, otherwise we're going to be sent to jail. So we're like, oh snaps, okay, well we gotta get out of here. Anyway, we 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 got like a shopping basket because we had so much luggage. And that bus trip that we took from downtown Las Vegas uh, and and got to the spot, we like literally walked that back. And that took us, I don't even know, it took us a while. Like it took us a good day and a half or so. Like we were stopping in different places. Mm um like like sleeping outside churches and like walking down the street for and however long was walking it down for um and then and then uh what's what else you know stopping at a park and trying to figure out like what to do next like literally we had nowhere to go so we're just kind of like legit like yeah. living living rough freestyle um and say that again freestyling like the way you're living just like how it comes yeah yeah exactly exactly and you know it's just there's times there's, there was nights we was walking walking past like a, a hospital and uh we walked through the we walked past the hospital and I'm like mom can we go in there can we at least like lay down or stop somewhere she's like no we just gotta keep on going sort of thing and i'm just like you know <laughs> I, I couldn't have fathom i couldn't have fathom how how frustrated i was every time i heard no when we could have like seek some indoor shelter and stuff like that so um anyway that's that's just a story but there's much more that could come i'm not gonna dive into too much of it um but anyway so after staying in las vegas and experiencing you know uh some severe adversity we ended up going back to los angeles california experiencing everything all over again in terms of homelessness and you know, sleeping on random places. A lot, of, a lot of times I was like trying to run away. I was like trying to find somewhere or find somebody that I know who would be happy to like take me in and stuff because I'd be damned if I was going to be sleeping in a shelter in the heart of Skid Row again tonight. You know, it was, mm-hmm. there was that point where I'm like, all right, this is enough. Like, you gotta, there's got to be something better. So, um, after and then, okay, after a few months living there again, we ended up, we ended up going... Now, this time we end up trying to get to Florida, okay? Um, but however, 
we came in on a 30-day or three-month visa. I can never get this right because I know there's some 30-day visas and I know there's some three-month visas. So yeah. but I think it might have been 30 days. Um, so we came in on a 30-day 30 30 day visa. But by this time, in an attempt to get to Florida, we had stayed uh, in America for like eight months, eight, nine months by now. You know, oh, we're wow. declared like legal, legal, illegal immigrants, I guess. And so... We get so we take this bus trip from Los Angeles, California, in an attempt to get to Florida, but then we get stopped in Texas, yeah, and uh, by immigration, unfortunately. And make a long story short, uh, we got stopped middle of nowhere in Texas, like I'm dead at, like dead serious. Like, if you're on a motorway, right, and just picture this you're on a motorway mm-hmm. and there's just nothing but like desert and sand around sort of thing or just that like country. all land like country like no there's no there's no buildings there's no rivers there's absolutely nothing like you're in the heart of nowhere and there's this port and um yeah we literally got to this and and i remember looking out the window seeing uh the U- united states homeland security whatever they're saying is and uh, I was like, oh, no. Like, does that, you know, when that that, that heartbeat is like, do-do, do-do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're bracing for something because you know this is going to be a pretty outcome. So um, we get out. We So 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 the officers, okay, bus stops, whatever, officers come onto the bus and they, they're saying, uh, hello, guys, we're such and such. We're here to just check your papers and make sure you guys have your proper documents and stuff guys don't have proper documents you'd be asked to get off the bus and by that time i just knew it like yeah we're not we're, <laughs> like, we're getting there's off. that there's that yeah yeah we're getting off like there's not even a debate about this so they get to my mom they asked her that they actually spent more time on my mom than they did with anybody else and uh i remember like my mom was sitting like a few seats or a few rows in front of me and then she looked back and said yeah there's my son or whatever and they basically asked her to get up and get off. And then they come to me and tell me I need to get up and get off as well. And I get off the bus, grab the batch from underneath the bus. And that was it. Like the bus was gone. And now it's just me and my mom, all this luggage. And we're facing this sort of, uh, we're facing this immigration court. And it was like, it was almost like just like your hopes are shattered, you know? Mm. And like your hopes, because you knew like what you, what, what the outcome was actually trying to go for probably would have been the right thing and the best thing. And at least there might've been something there for us. And so, um, but unfortunately it, that, it didn't happen. So yeah, we get, we, we spent some time in this port, stay here for a couple of hours or a few hours, and then we get sent back to El Paso and we stayed in El Paso for four weeks. And then we start, uh, uh, and we, we, we saw an immigration officer and the immigration officer within those four weeks, told us that you guys have been in, in America for longer than your time using your visa. Mm. Uh, so you guys, are, we're going to have to deport you guys back to England. But they didn't wow. send us right then, back right then and there. And so imagine, at, at like 12 years old, like you're going mm-hmm. through this sort of crazy like moment of life and you're like, yo, I didn't ask for any of this. Like... <laughs> Like, like this, like what? And now it's like, you, you almost feel defenseless. You feel defenseless because you have absolutely nothing to fall back on. You know, and it's kind of like, 
that recipe for you know there's those people could perceive tough times in one of one or two ways they could either look at it as something that's you know telling them that they're just not good enough and it never mm-hmm. will be or they could look at it and say you know okay i'm gonna we're gonna rise above this occasion one way or the other sort of thing um so but then okay so so then okay after that whole meeting and everything it was like going back to where we're staying that day and just thinking like what are we going to do now yeah so uh my mom uh we end up going back to los angeles and it, it didn't get any better from there you know it's just i spent more time away and sleeping and like i almost felt like i spent more time away from my mom and trying to find somewhere to sleep or sleeping on buses trains and Damn. you know also random areas um rather than actually trying to find solutions that's what that's what i almost felt like so anyway uh there was one day this but then again this is where like life like took a complete 180 so um i was i ended up meeting my mom after being out all night by myself right and this is where like i don't know so oh, sorry what i mean i don't know so anyway i met up with my mom and uh, we ended up going to where my mom was going to, or we ended up trying to go to where my mom was heading to. And so, um, which was a shelter in San Fernando. And we ended up leaving uh, one of like the biggest shelters in, in, in the hardest skill road called on Union Rescue Mission. And we was just walking and uh, there was a shelter not too far away from where we just left that was serving food at the time. And so I asked my mom, mom, can we go in here and get some food? And uh, she said, no. And so I was like, you know, Why? there's this part where I just, oh, yeah, you know, I just had to kind of figure out one or two things. Like, you know, it's either, okay, she said, no, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to go down this road and which has, hasn't been successful or, you know, with all this sort of like, uncertainty and you know like just just unfortunate misfortune sort of events and moments and stuff and that's been frustrating i could have been that could have made me angry or whatever or am i just gonna go in here to the shelter get some food and and just kind of like go again just it's just another day for me and just kind of roll with it um so yeah, so I decided to go into the show to get some food. My mom didn't turn. My mom didn't turn around and come back to come back for me, right? So going to the show to get some food. Uh, 20, 30 minutes later, come out and all I have is like this hundred and fifty to two hundred gallon trash bag, like over my back, just mm-hmm. filled with clothes. You know, no money, no phone, uh, no bus pass, no nothing. Like literally, you know, just hanging on to dead life right now. Yeah. And so uh, I remember making a right out of the shelter and making the left down the main street. And um, I end up walking to the corner of that street. And what I see next is completely unbelievable. So I see that my mom is on the bus, on the bus heading to where she wanted to go to. Right. Yeah. And so I'm standing here trying to assess the whole situation and like, what do I do? And so I look to the left and a little bit down the street, there's this uh, bus stop. So I'm thinking, okay, the bus, mate, the bus is going to get to the bus stop. 
you know, do I run after the bus or does my mom get off? But instead I just stood there like paralyzed, just trying to figure out what's going to happen. And so, um, but instead here's what happens. So the bus gets to the bus stop. I see no sign of my mom and the bus just keeps on going. So now 12 years of age, you know, being abandoned in one of the toughest places in America, um, and, 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 you know, like nothing to fall back on, like absolutely nothing, didn't know anybody. It, it was like that sort of either you're going to get broken, you know, get broken and stay down or get broken and put the pe- and pick the pieces up and try to figure it out for yourself sort of thing. Or is either give up or and become a part of the product or you find you find that sort of. I don't know, you use your senses and try to attract a proper, more, I don't know, more rewarding sort of outcome or situation. So, you know, and I could easily, I could have given up. Like I could have let that moment get to me. I could have been upset. I could have been frustrated. I could have been mad at the world. I could have said, this is what happened to me. I could have been one of those people that's in Los Angeles now, still homeless sort of thing, you know, and, and sleeping on the streets with. But, but instead, I decided to just look for somewhere to sleep you know just at least something like that's going to help me get out of here um and so yeah and then i turned turn to turn into turning the pages of hope now uh i was looking for just somewhere to sleep so i came across two shelters mm. and they well basically in a nutshell uh they, they turned me away because i was under the age of 18 so they wasn't going to be able to help me so after that second show, I was again tested, you know, determined whether, uh, tested, uh, like whether I was going to be determined enough to keep going or do I quit now? And I didn't, I kept, I just kept going. Uh, got to this third shelter, asked them, you know, if they would be happy to help or if they, if they're going, if they're able to house me, they said no, but make a long story short, they called the police and, uh, police came and picked me up and a few hours go by. And uh, they ended up taking me, well, they, they, we ended up trying to go for go on the search for where my mom was, but couldn't find her at all. Mm. And so later on, after an attempt to find my mom, we ended up going to the police station and just sitting there. You know, I just sat there for like five hours, you know, no money, no phone. Did they feed mom you? here, you know. No, nah, they didn't feed me, actually, <laughs> unfortunately. So it would have been great, but you know, it, it was definitely, uh, yeah, yeah, they didn't feel me. It would have been great if they did, though. <laughs> so anyway, um, a few hours go by, five hours go by, and then by the end of, the, like, the fifth hour or whatever, this random guy pops up out of nowhere. Uh, and make a long story short, come to find out he's a DCFS worker, Department of Children and Family Services, okay. and uh, or social worker, essentially. And he ends up... Um, yeah, he ends up just taking me, taking me, and basically telling me like, "Yeah, you're in the foster care system now." So, by the end of that, by the end of that day, and in that car ride, I was just like, like, it's just I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I was confused. I was like, man, like humbled at the same time, but then I was, just, I was just intuitively trying to grasp everything. I was. I think I was a bit more worried for my mom because I don't know where she was. I didn't know if she was going to be okay, you know, stuff like that, you know. But 
yeah, I just, I just, part of me was just kind of like, damn, like, I just, I didn't know, like, I, I was in, I don't know, I was in shock, disbelief, still trying to get over the day sort of thing. And it's almost like, it's almost like this, this journey of just like, of WTF over and over and over again. And now all of it just like stopping in the snap of a finger. It was like, I was still trying to understand. Like I was still trying to figure out myself. Like, I, I don't know, like it, it's hard to actually try and explain that. Mm. So yeah, I mean, and then to kind of like narrow it down again, like went through the foster care system, you know, uh, six years, six years I was in the foster care system before. Um, only moved homes twice. Uh, started playing sport and stuff like that, and then um, start playing sport and start picking up like school. I had a bit more stability now, so I could learn and do all the stuff, other stuff that normal kids would. But then it's still like that aftermath of trying to figure out how to deal with with the yeah. situ- with your situations, and there's still that mixed messages like seeing my mom in between and had, knowing that my family then decides to kind of like pop up after everything's happened, I was too late sort of thing. And so, um, you know, unfortunately my mom got sent back because she was trying to turn herself in because of that deportation case that I told you about. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't because I was in the foster care system. Well, she turned herself in in hopes to get me back, but she didn't. Um, I ended up getting a, uh, uh, an attorney to overturn my deportation case. And yeah, I was just granted like my residency and everything I needed just to, to be allowed to stay in America now. Um, and so, yeah, it's unfortunate how it happened, you know, and sometimes life just worked out that way, but Hey, you know, what, what, it, I guess it's one of those things that it could always be so much more worse. So I was grateful for it. Um, but yeah, went through went through foster care. You know, I had a roof over my head and had a, a decent family enough. You know, at least if anything, there was there was happening like let me in and kind of take me on like new adventures and try to, you know, show a different way of life, which is great. You know, and I'm happy for that. Um, and then yeah, started playing basketball. Started having a bit of a, uh, a drive for like sport a little bit. Uh, of course, one well, I guess every hooper's dream is to try and make the NBA. So you know, yeah. you kind of want to put in that work and try to do that and stuff. So um, that's what was kind of like the main motivation. Uh, graduated high school, played four years in uni, two two years in junior college in Texas, two years in Iowa State, um, which was which was a good journey. And I think after a while, the reality hit that I wasn't going to make the NBA. So now, what was I going to do? And so I was like, okay. Uh, throughout my uni uh, years, I ended up meeting, well, knowing, finding out that I have two siblings, you know, my brother and my sister, uh, brothers in London, sisters in Bath, and How I never grew up with them, never really met them before, and my, my younger brother texted me on Facebook saying that, oh, I think we both have the same dad, and I was like, huh? You know, so, so a question, but um, yeah, so we ended up, ended up finding out that I do have a younger sibling and then he ends up telling me, oh yeah, you have a younger sister as well. I was like, oh, no way, that's crazy. So, you know, and I, after, uh, during uni, I always told him like, if an opportunity in England was to come, come up to play basketball or whatever, then I'd definitely take it and come and spend some time with you guys. So ended up doing that. Um, well, 
Bristol ended up coming into the equation and I found that, that Bristol was only literally like 25 minutes away from Bath mm-hmm. and literally an hour and a half, two hours away from London. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like a blessing in hindsight, you know. And I wasn't really worried about like the money or nothing like that. Like I knew I wasn't going to be coming out of uni and making X amount of pounds, whatever. So I was just like, you know what, as long as I have a roof over my head, a little bit of money coming in, I have some sort of money coming in. And uh, there's some opportunities around then, hey, you can make things work sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that, that worked out. That worked out. And then uh, Bristol came up. See, I took it. And, um, yeah, got a chance to meet up with my sister and spend some time with her and build a relationship over these last few years. Also with my brother as well. And then uh, after, after that, we'll see my mom. I haven't seen her in, like, since 2006 or seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, because that's when she got sent back from America. So literally, I just saw my mom back in 2015 for the mm-hmm. first time. So that was a bit, yeah, that was a bit interesting because that? there was some other. How was that? It, oh. Well, it was, it was. A, I had mixed emotions about it because uh, there's the situation with my mom, well, with about her housing and her accommodation that just needed like some attention you know like this this sort uh, i don't want to go into too much detail but there was this sort of there's this sort of responsibility that kind of felt like was put on me that not put on me intentionally but that i just had to take upon because like there's a lot of stuff that needed to be sorted out sort of thing um from like the state of her accommodation and how it all looked and just, yeah, it was a bit mad. So um, I kind of put that aside and just kind of like put my heart in it and try to like give her the best sort of, try to help her like for a better like sort of result, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, yeah. ever since then, I've been going back and forth, going down, you know, trying to help my mom out and connect with family and stuff from time to time. Um and yeah, you know, it's just it's and being in Bristol is over these last five years, it's been like oh six years I should say, has been a bit of like a it's been an interesting journey, you know, like being able to play for England and with my head coach being the head coach of England, which that's I guess that's a blessing because yeah. of relationships and stuff. And then just making building networks here, here in Bristol with like people and you know, now that I have captaincy uh, as a Bristol Flyers captain, given the fact I've been here for a while and stuff, which is, you know, it's a blessing as well, responsibility. Um, and so, yeah, just, and, and not just that, but also like going after like my education and stuff like that, like being able to do that, I'm forever grateful for. So, you know, I still, and, and now to this day, still just trying to figure out what can I, what else can I do? You know, what else can I do that's going to, be even much more impactful and that's that's the key essence just to like well you know the reasons for being here in Bristol um but yeah you know it's just it's been an interesting journey you know my message is um I'm always working with young people so and even but even adults as well like it, it sounds a bit cliche but never give up like yeah. you know you just never never give up as hard as, as as tempting as it is to throw in a towel and say you know what I don't want to do this anymore or I can't do this anymore, you know, like, if that was my, if that was my sort of 
uh, if that was my sort of mindset when, you know, things were hitting the fan, and I mean hitting the fan on a serious note, then I definitely would not be here right now. You know, that's that's one thing. And, and giving up requires having quite a bit of resilience. But it's also like understanding the obstacles and adversity. They're all just stepping stones to finding that inner strength, you know, to, to keep on going sort of thing. And uh, that's why we can't always like give in to giving up. Otherwise, we'll never get anywhere in the first place. Okay, but you and just, then, oh, okay. just like because you went through it quite quickly, I just wanted to ask about your experience at like junior college and then at Iowa State University. So, like, how was that experience when you started first playing basketball? Like, how, when did you realize that you were quite good at basketball? And like, how did you go from uh, junior college to like Iowa State? Um, huh, okay, question. Uh, so how, when did I realize I was good at basketball? So I started playing basketball when I was 14, 15. Quite and I've, I always had like, I always had like the, the sort of like joy for playing this. Well, I've always had this sort of love hate relationship with basketball, which is, which I guess is quite enjoyable, but also there's sometimes where it's like, oh, I don't want to play this game anymore. But then you like, I love this game. I think from I think what got me into playing the game was when I first made my when I made my first free throw, and I was like, "Oh, went through the net, easy," you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, I just enjoyed it. So, uh, so yeah, I started playing AU and just traveling around the country playing basketball and stuff. And I started getting like Division One looks, like the high Division One looks from like different universities and stuff. So I was like, "Oh yeah, you know what, like." If this is what if this is gonna get me a free ride or a free scholarship, you know, to get my education, yeah, of course, take it. Why not? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's only good things that come out of it. So, um, yeah. So then I went to so after graduating from high school, I didn't have a Division One scholarship, but I did have well, I did have Division One like interests, but that was from like low major to mid major like universities so I kind of wanted to like I don't know I kind of wanted to go high a little bit and I was like damn how am I going to get there so anyway um this random head coach from the junior college in Texas calls me and he says hey is this Daniel Dozier I'm like yeah hi I'm the head coach I'm such and such uh, head coach at Tyler Junior College um yeah I've been told I heard a lot about you and you know there's been people that have been talking about talking about you to me so I just wanted to ask about you and stuff and I was like oh yeah, yeah just wanted, we just had a conversation and he was he was asking me uh he was asking me so yeah we don't do visits um but I can send you the the link and stuff whereas like before I was taking like visits to like Fresno State to um Eastern Washington to, to Montana State all sorts of stuff all sorts of universities so I was like all right um yeah, so I literally just kind of looked online and was like, okay, uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see what this junior college is going to be saying. So I looked online, went through the website. I was like, okay, this is all right. It's one of the top junior colleges in America, actually. One of the top, like, for, well, for attendance, that is. I think it's like, well, at the time, it was like thirteen to 14,000 just for junior college. That's quite big. You know, that's, that's larger than any some of the universities here in England and that's just a junior college that's not even a major university so um and so I was like all right um I took took my chance and yeah went with it 
And yeah, one of the best decisions I probably probably made. Um I well, so the the level of playing was a bit interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh we didn't do I'll be honest, we only touched the weight. We only touched I don't think we even touched weights at all. I'll be honest, we didn't touch weights. We didn't touch weights. We should have. We should have touched I think we should have touched weights more, but for whatever reason, coach didn't believe that weights was essential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like I, but I would get in the weight room and push weights from time to time, um, but and and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, I wish I would have touched weights more. Like literally, we had a gym and stuff, and we'll go in, you know, or I'll go in, do some, do whatever, you know whatever I needed to try and like get stronger, bigger, faster, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, what was I about to say? So yeah. So yeah, uh, but I was training, we only trained for like an hour a day. Uh, sometimes, some, well, early in the season, it was like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. But then as the season went on, we only, we only practiced an hour a day. Okay. So that was it. But then the thing was, Okay, got to Iowa State, and we practiced like two to three hours. So that kind of adjustment, that physical adjustment was like, oh, my God. And the pressure was completely different. The expectations were different. The competition was different. The coaching was different. You know, where it was like before from a junior college, it was just the head coach and a couple of assistants. But then when we we got to Iowa State, you have the head coach, you have the assistant coaches, you have the trainers, you have the student uh, uh, staff or the student trainers. And then you have like, you have like SSC coach, you have, so all of it at once was like, geez, like, all right. And I only, I only had two years here at this university. So I had to pick up on things or try to pick up on things as quickly as I can. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but it, it was, it was quite intense uh, when we got to Iowa state, but eventually you get used to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And not only just, not only just that, but then also like traveling, uh, some, some, we play, we play random game. We, we play games at any day of the week. We have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they could either be home or away. I remember one time we had, we had, and you know, like when you get to a certain level, like you're flying everywhere sort of thing. So we had, um, one, we had, I think we had like Baylor on a Sunday, on a Saturday. And then we had, so we had a game on Saturday and we had to fly the next day to go play West Virginia on a Monday. And then we, we so we're flying back. We're flying back at like one, two o'clock in the morning, landing, landing back in Iowa um, at like three in the morning sometimes and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a bit mad, like, yeah, it was no, it was fun though. It was actually quite fun because we we managed to like, yeah, we well we had fun during the season, and then when it came to like conference championships and like that sort of run, like we were, we were playing in Kansas City, and we won um back to back conference titles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, which was quite fun, you know, with playing with playing with our fans. Fans were amazing. Like, I say our fans was well, ooh, that's that's actually quite debatable controversial but as a, to me i'm biased so my <laughs> our fans our fans were the best fans cyclone nation you know the most liveliest fans you can ever like like uh like like that, that atmosphere the atmosphere was so electrifying that 
it just he's like oh like you, you couldn't fit one ounce of your own body you know mm. what I mean? <laughs> so um but yeah no it, it was actually it was actually really good and then and they were so supportive like with everything you did and stuff like that so but then again you know sport isn't everybody loves when you're doing yeah. when you're playing sport but the moment you stop doing it then people forget about you so yeah but it was, it was not it was Okay. I was just gonna say that. Speak about the players that you were there with, because obviously we know that NBA players like Monte Morris was at the same uni you was at. And which other players did you come across when you was at Iowa State for like other teams as well? Yeah, so you have George Niang, um, as you said, Monte Monte Morris, Naz Long. I, he was in the NBA, but I don't know where he is now. Uh, Matt Thomas was another one. Uh, Abdul Nader, who plays for Phoenix Suns, I believe. Uh, Deontay Burton, who plays for Oklahoma Thunder, but I didn't play with him. He he played. He started playing the year after I left. Uh, who else? Who else? Matt Thomas, Matt Thomas, Nelson, George Nader, Monte Morris, Abdul Nader, Deontay Burton. I want to. I want to say there's one more. No, not my religion. Yeah. No. You know what? Yeah, uh, what's his name? Bryce John Jones. Well, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, he passed away. But yeah, that was another play that uh, I played with as well. So yeah, it's quite a few players. Quite a few players. And could you see like these were NBA level players, or was it like you were all equal in, in a sense? Um, it's not even seen that they were NBA players. Honestly, it's like seeing their kind of like work ethic like George Nee all those guys I just mentioned like those guys were in the gym like faithfully they were in the faithfully like it wasn't it wasn't one day where I didn't see them in the gym getting shots up or they was working on some skill work stuff or they was in the weight room like working out like these guys their, their work ethic was a bit was insane but hey you know what that it's insane in a good way yeah. you know so um yeah i thought i thought it was there was actually they 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 understood the game they understood where to get shots from they all trusted and believed in each other which makes that and that sort of team chemistry or that sort of aspect like brought together that sort of um unity needed to like win certain games and stuff i mean mm-hmm. you know it all got on well it was all like I guess brothers in a sense, and had all, all all good on all had like good relationship, real good relationships with each other. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, I, and I thought like, yeah, the guys they yeah, they, were, they were destined to go so if, and even if they didn't go to the NBA, they was definitely going to play in Europe. Like, yeah. I think um, that's the route that Matt Thomas took, and then he went, he played somewhere in Italy, and then he ended up. Uh, get an opportunity to play with Toronto Raptors and now I think he's with them if I'm not mistaken I think he's with them um, Martin Morris uh, any, anyone all the other guys I don't think they was going to go into Europe though although they could have they yeah. just stayed humbled and continued playing like the G League and stuff like that and um, yeah they ended up being called up to play for the NBA team look where they are now yeah and also, I was going to say, um, you said how you, when you went to Bristol, you said how you, like, your sister being in the bath was an influencing factor. Did you ever think of playing Summer League after the, the draft and thinking, right, let me try and 
get the NBA in that way, or was you intent on coming to England? Oh, you're talking about after I finish uni? Yeah, after you finish uni, I was thinking. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Was I intent? It was... Yeah. Uh, I kind of... I had it in mind a little bit, but then I was just still... Honestly, I was still kind of like... I was, I was actually trying to... I was actually dealing with a lot, like, emotionally and mentally. Mm. And so... Um, I think as the time went by, I was just kind of like, you know, whatever happens is whatever happens. Like I'm still going to train. Yeah. I still train. If I make, if I get an opportunity to play in the, in the D league or whatever, then great. Or play on the, on the summer league team, then great. But if not, then it's, it'll be like kind of seeing what other opportunities around. And thankfully, I mean, God opened opportunities in other places that I would not have even, even imagined. Like the way that Bristol came into the picture was, was it came in a way unexpected so when uh so there's this sort of like showcase that i played in mm. and the coach for the team that i was playing on knew the head coach of the bristol flyers mm. and so he put me in touch with him and it kind of like worked that way and we was exchanging like i don't know conversation and stuff like that and yeah we just kind of it just kind of came up that way and like and then i took i just took bristol as a as an offer yeah so it just yeah, so that's how. So then, yeah, that's how it kind of worked out. I mean, but then again, trying to play on a summer league team or summer uh, D league team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been a bit interesting. But then it was, it was just a challenge as well. Like, yeah, I had all the connections and had all the sort of relationships that probably or potentially could help me get there. But I was like, you know what, you know, I just just I I guess kind of God has a way of like like. Uh, you know, that's, I don't know, maybe there's selected few that you don't really know the reasons as to why you're actually here, but somehow God opens up these weird random doors in weird ways. Yeah. And you're like, you you walk into the door and you don't even think, it's like, look back, just keep mm-hmm. moving forward sort of thing. So that's how I look at it. Like, yeah, although like going down some league route may have, may not have been there. Well, this opportunity came up that, and, and this opportunity came up in a way that probably summer league, wouldn't have paid off or wouldn't have given you, I guess. So, okay. yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you get to Bristol, you're living in Bristol, your debut season, you lead the BBR rebounds. Speak about that. Like, you just came and shut it down. Like, <laughs> really good best style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's first year with Bristol. Um, yeah, I did. I didn't even know I was actually leading in rebounds I'll be honest don't remember well I didn't know I was and it got to a point where my coaches was like oh yeah you know you're like second in rebound in the league and stuff I was like oh really it's like yeah it was like between me and um oh what's that old boy's name from Sheffield uh I can't remember his name he was like Robinson or something something like that I can't remember his last name but yeah it was like I like I don't know 10.3 10.3 at one point he had like 10.1 and it was like it was like sometimes it's going like back and forth between between us two and stuff but then uh as the season went on you know I was like taking off in terms of like rebounds so I was grabbing anything and everything <laughs> Dominating the paint. so and that's 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 but that yeah that's it like owning the paint like this is my house these are my board these are my boards so you better get out the way sort of thing 
Um, and that was just because, like, after coming out of uni, because of the way I was built physically, like, mm-hmm. like I was like two sixty, like just, just a, just just a cannon. Like, <laughs> like if you if you ask Kieran Achara, um, you know, if you ask him about my first my first year, my season with the Bristol Flyers first year, he would tell you, yeah, he was strong, like. I'm still strong now, but he was strong where like you just could not keep him out the paint. Like mm. if if he's going for a rebound, like <laughs> don't even try to box him out because <laughs> he's just gonna get get over you and you know go for it, whatever. So um, but yeah, I think the most I grabbed in terms of, of rebounds was like like 19, 17 or 19, someone or something like that. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's other players that have grabbed more rebounds. You know, over the years, but yeah, I guess as a as a as a as a rookie, as a yes, first man. first year guy, yes, that's my numbers. Yeah, and also speak about how you became captain of the Bristol Flyers. That's a, that's a big achievement. Like you're the leader, you're the first person. Like people look up to you in that sense. Like how did that feel when you became, and how did it come about as well? Uh, so this is my third season cap of captaincy so my coach just gave so basically after Greg Street left it was then Mike Vigor became captain and Mike Vigor was away the following season when he came back um because of like I guess injury or resting or something like that so he said yeah he just asked me hey Dan you know just wanted to ask ask you um you know about captaincy and whether or not you have to be a captain and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And yeah. Coach just asked me, I was like, yes. And, um, yeah. And then it just, from there, it was just like first year captaincy was when it was what, 2018, 19 season. And, um, it was interesting because like, yeah, there's that responsibility, of knowing how to lead a team, how to work in a team, and how to get guys on the same page. But then I'm still learning as a captain now, you know, and, yeah. and still, like, uh, lessons to be learned. I mean, captaincy is never a set way. There's always different things coming up, and sometimes you don't always have the answers mm. in that moment all the time. So, um, yeah, it was it was like, yeah, work with passionate. Like, it was, it was a good achievement, like, you know, young guys had have enough experience, like played England and went through all sorts of systems, playing in like America and stuff like that. Um, I had a bit of confidence about myself and I was starting to learn the game differently and stuff like that. And so and so um yeah, I th- I think I had a good head on my shoulders. You know, as long as you have a captain with a good head on the shoulders, then you're all good, you know. Uh but then it was it, it it was it was when the table started slowly started to turn after first year we went on like the seven o seven o win streak and then uh, we ended up having well we ended up starting to lose a couple of games here and there and before we know it we just went on this massive losing streak and we just could not get over the hump we, we was like number one in the league and stuff but then I still trying to figure out what to this day like got us to that point where we was just, just could not win a game. Like we went from winning one, two, three, like seven in a row to then like losing 13, 14 in a row before we could win our first game sort of thing. And yeah, it was quite, it's quite interesting because I was like, damn, like what is going on? Like 
it's again it's a lesson to be learned you know and that basically is complacency you never get too comfortable with where you are because anything mm-hmm. can happen at any given time so um yeah our season was in the post but then last year second season as a, as a captain um you know it's kind of like a bit more out there a bit more extroverted a bit more like like leader leader sort of orientated but then i know like i'm i'm just like i'm like, however, like, me being captain does not change me as a player or as a person. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got this element of power. Oh, yeah, I'm going to abuse it sort of thing. You just got to know when to be and how to be in certain moments. And um, that's that's something I definitely learned, like, last year because of, like, prior experiences. And you just know that when, okay, you know, based on reflection, you know how you was then okay let's not be that way let's try and like oh you realize that when this happens again that you know how to like stand up a bit more be a bit more like like, you know i guess out there um but yeah second years as a captain made a bbl cup you know championship final which is great would have been amazing if we won that but kind of came up short but hey that's okay yeah Yeah, what's the wolves won it uh, we shouldn't have came on short, but we did. But that's okay, though. You know, everything's. Hey, it's a it's a blessing, you know, to be to be in that position. Um, and then this year, it's just been like understanding personalities and like I think I'm maturing a bit more in the game now. Mm. Um, so I'm just I'm being me, but at the same time, still learning as I go. Sometimes I think the thing is with captaincy, like your voice isn't always the voice that needs to be heard at times. Sometimes there's other guys that have different voices and people respond to that voice differently. So sometimes you got to like put your sort of pride aside and your whatever status you have on the team aside and just kind of like work with that person as well, you know, sort of thing. So I'm still learning that, still um, still like considering that as a learning lesson and something that's beneficial as well. It's like, it helps to like have balance on the team, you know? Um, so it's kind of like, that's the way I look at it. Uh, but yeah, you know, now as a captain, I still just make sure my head, my my shoulder, my head on my shoulders is good and try to make sure that everyone else's is okay. You know, try to keep the positive energy there from time to time whenever we need it. So, you know, it's just, that's, there's that kind of like aspects to being a captain. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Now let's move on to the knowledge bit. Say you're okay. An, you're an NBA fan. So there's going to be six questions. The last question is a bonus point question, which is worth five points. The first five questions are worth five points, but have a bonus point on each question. So oh, so this one, is like a quiz? Yeah, like a quiz. I do it to all my guests. So. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. Question. I was not ready for this. Okay, let me, yeah. let, me get my, let me get my knowledge kept on it. All right. Yeah. Question number one. You say you, you told me before you was a LeBron James fan, isn't it? So let's see if you know about him. Okay. Which season did LeBron James have his highest points per game? I'll, I'll give you options. Don't worry. Is it A, okay. 2009-10 season? B, 2007-2008 season? C, 2005-2006 season? Or D, 2008-2009 season? Definitely not. I would say he didn't have no. He was averaging. He's he's always averaged between twenty seven to about thirty one points a game. So I'm trying to figure out what years 
he would, I would feel like it might have been his. Did you say his 08 09 season? Yeah, that's an option. Don't read the options again. Nah, well, no, no, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, please do, yeah. please do. I feel like so 08 09 season, something yeah. tells me it's that one 08 09, 05 06, 07 08, or 09 010. 09-010. Was that when he was with Miami? 010. No, that was or that was when he was with no, was that his last year? Yeah, that was last year in Cleveland, yeah, yeah. Because last year in Cleveland. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Last year in Cleveland, before he went to Miami. What happened then? No, he they got knocked out by Boston Celtics, didn't they? Yeah, got it. Done his thing on him, yeah. Garnett, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm, it's either 08 09 or, or 09 or 10 season. Let's go 08 09 season. 08 09. Is that your final answer? Yeah. It's wrong. <laughs> oh, damn. Which, was, which season it, was it? It actually is 05 06. That's his best is it? points per game season. Yeah. Yeah. No way. How much did he average that season? Oh. And to the, that's for the bonus point. If you tell me how much you averaged, you get a bonus point. How, if I told you how much you averaged, 29.5. <laughs> close, close. It was 31.4. 31.4? Yeah, and 05.06. Oh, yeah. no way. Okay, okay. Yeah. I learned, hey, I learned something new. Fair enough. Okay, this one's a good question. When Ray Allen hit the clutch three point line in 2013 to save LeBron's legacy... <laughs> How much time was there left on the clock? Do you remember the shot, Ray Allen? What? After he shot the ball, before he yes. shot the ball? So when he shot it and it went in, mm. and because I think they, to check if it was a three-pointer, they just stopped it. How many seconds were left? I've got options. Was it no it was seconds? It was... Was it... Oh, I'll, I'll give you options. Was it uh, no seconds left? Oh, yeah, yeah, go. 2.3 seconds, 5.2 or 4.5? Less than two seconds. So... It's no more than two, definitely no more than two. So, but it wasn't, it was still like enough. Like when you say no seconds, like it was zero. Or yeah, you say like it was like 0. 0.4 on the clock. No seconds means buzzer beat, it ended o- overtime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like two, it was like two seconds on the shot clock then. So you're going to go for 2.3 seconds? Yeah, because I felt like. San Antonio had a chance to either try and get a shot off. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it's two point. Yeah, it's two point three seconds. That's your final answer. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. Sorry to say that. <laughs> oh dang, man! Jeez, what was it? Five point two seconds were left when Ray Allen hit the three pointer. Was it actually time left? Oh damn! Was that actually, was wait was it? Okay, fair enough. No, no, that's, that's saying you're right. Was it? Uh, no, there was no shot clock, was it? No, no, yeah, of course, no shot clock. 5.2 left. So, they had, had a yeah, position. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Parkey tried to hit and he missed. So, yeah. Did he? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But for the bonus 2.3 point... 2.3 seconds, yeah. For yeah. the bonus point, what was the final score of that of that match? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough that's tough it was in the 90s wasn't it no go ahead give me the options oh there's no options for this one sorry oh okay okay, okay. Yeah, so I ain't got options for this. it was it was in the 90s 
No, or was it in the hundreds? Uh, I feel like it was because it was it was the three point shot was what gave him either a one or two point lead. Yeah, because it was trying to get a three off because they needed it. Yeah, so the, the, I, I feel like it. I feel like it was no. Actually, I think it might have been one or two. I feel like it might have been 90, 95, 94, something like that. Is that your final answer? That's my final guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you're wrong again. This is Daniel. What's going on? Oh, man, them, you should ask me to go down memory lane, man. LeBron James is one of his biggest games he's ever been involved in. Mm. But yeah, what was it? 103, 100. 103, 100. Okay. Well, hey, I did say, was it in the 100s or was it like in the 90s? Yeah. You got to give a little bit. Of, you got you to yeah. give a little bit of management. This one, yeah, this one you might get. In 2007, 2008 season, Boston Celtics won the NBA championship. But who did they defeat in the finals? Was it the Spurs, the Lakers, the Jazz, or the Rockets? Lakers. They final answer? This is a 2008-2009 finals, yeah. right? The 2008 finals, 08. 08 finals. Yeah. And who was it again? Sorry, the teams? Let me, just, let me just hear these teams. Spurs, Lakers, Utah Jazz, or the Rockets, Houston? Spurs, Lakers, Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz have not made it to the finals. Uh, you said Rockets, Rockets yeah. ain't made to the finals. Uh, Spurs last time, it, ooh, last time they went to the finals, definitely Tony Parker, manager Nobody and that was there. They played, play. oh, yeah. Oh, I'm just trying to figure out last time they went to the finals. I actually can't think of anything top of my head, but definitely, it might, it definitely would have been the Lakers though. Should have been, it should be the Lakers. If I get this wrong, then damn, I quit. <laughs> is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lakers is correct. Lakers is correct. Okay, okay, okay. Got to you just test my nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just give you an easy one. If you got that wrong, I would have been like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I definitely am not in. <laughs> now, for the bonus point, who was finals MVP of that finals? For the bonus point, who was the finals MVP of that finals? Uh, 08 season, yeah? 07 08 season? Uh, so Celtics beat I can... Celtics beat the Lakers. Yeah, in 08, this year. Ooh, in... it definitely would have been ooh, one or two people. Paul Pierce is definitely up there for sure. Oh no! Yeah, that should be Paul Pearson. Yeah, Paul Pierce. Yeah, it's Paul Pierce. It's Paul Pierce. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yep, Celtics <laughs> score right, but it, sh- it should have been Garnett. I can't lie, Garnett. You, he was good. But, yeah, hey. definitely. He was Question a killer. Number four. Oh, man, this is making me nervous, man. Can't lie. The, the the bonus question at the end is very difficult. I can't lie. I might be, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Number four, this is one's quite hard. Which NBA team sent four players to the All-Star game in 2015? Was it A, Golden State Warriors, B, Atlanta Hawks, C, Houston Rockets, or D, Cleveland? And you said this is 2015 uh, All-Star? Yeah, 2015 All-Star game. 
which team sent four players? Was it the Warriors, the Hawks, the Rockets, or the Cavs? Well, if it Cavs didn't have, oh wait a minute. If the Cavs had anybody, it would have been what well, definitely it would have been LeBron, it would have been Kyrie, Kevin Love, I want to say, and potentially. Ooh, who's who would have been the other one with that fifteen? Oh, I have to think about that one. Uh, Houston Rockets. No, nah, I can't think of it. It, it despite that, it'd been like Harden. Harden. Okay, okay. The only, yeah, it would. If anything, it would been Golden State with like Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and I want to say Harrison Barnes as well. Because those are the only four that I could really. That's the only team I could think of with four all, four all stars. But it's not to say that Cavs don't have one either. Oh, uh, have that extra one. I can't think of off the top of my head currently, but I bet there was somebody there. Who else was it? You say Rockets and who else? Uh, Rockets, Warriors, Hawks, or Cavs? Hawks. That's crazy. I don't even know who the hell Hawks even have on. Who even? Who the hell Hawks even had on that team that year? So I couldn't even answer that one. So let's go with the Warriors. The Warriors final, final answer? answer? Yeah. Wrong. Oh damn! You 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 know it's actually Atlanta Hawks. It was them. <laughs> That's the crazy. I can't think of anybody on that team though. And for the bonus point, is <laughs> tell me the players they took to the All Star game. You... The players that he took to the bro. That's, oh, that's okay. the bonus point. I mean, I don't know if you. That's get for. That's for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. Give me four players. What players from the Atlanta Hawks season, that 2015 season? Uh, bro, I, don't, I can't even think of anybody from that roster. It's difficult, yeah? <laughs> yeah, don't give up. I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to think of... I'm going to try to think of one player. One player at least. They get, they get a point. They get a point. Two, five for every player that <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Well, no, but I'll I'll, I'll give you that because you can do that because it's it's four players in it. So I'll do that. Four players. One. All right. Yeah. One player. One player. Uh, Al Horford. No, no, he didn't play for him, did he? No, he didn't play for him. I'm thinking of him now. Um, who was that point guard? Who was that point guard? No, Joe Smith. No, Joe Smith. No, not Joe Smith. Who is that point? Bro, I don't even know. Oh, uh, what's his name? Who's that shooter? Who's that shooter? Um, Carl Corver. Are you putting Carl Corver down? I bet that's wrong, though. Nah. Could you please confirm your final answer so I can total the points? <laughs> uh, who is this small? Bro, I don't even know. I don't actually. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Okay, I have to put that at zero, but it's funny because you mentioned two of them. <laughs> oh, Hoffman and Kyle Corver. Yeah, they all went to the All Star game. <laughs> oh no, they did not. And then the other, two, the other two: Paul Millsap 
Jeff Teague. I, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed those guys. That's crazy. Although, yeah, now that you mention it, Jeff Teague, yeah, I do remember him actually being in the All-Star game. Yeah. Cool. Okay, fair enough. For that, I have to give you zero because you confirmed you didn't go four for them. Cool, bro. Damn, I could have got point five. It could have got hard. Five. I could question yeah. number five. Yeah. Question number five. LeBron James was drafted in the 03 NBA draft as number one pick. However, who was drafted a second pick after him? Is it A, Carmelo Anthony, B, Darko Milicic, C, Chris Bosch, or D, Dwayne Wade? Who is the other one? Uh, who's the other one? Chris Milicic? No, Darko Milicic, Carmelo, Chris Bosch, or D Wade? Ooh, second round, uh, number two draft pick behind LeBron. Uh, that's tough because I feel like the obvious answers that you want to say might not be it. Would it have been? I feel like Carmelo would have been top 10, but I don't think he would have been top five, though. Chris Bosch. Same with Chris Bosch. D Wade. Darko Menachich. Why does that name sound like I want to say yes or no at the same time? Don't know. Uh, let's say. No, actually. Yeah, let's go Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo? Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> you know Carmelo, I think Carmelo was three in that, that draft. I think he was third. Was it? I think he was third. But second, it was Darko Milicic. He was second. Uh why yeah, yeah. Damn. I I didn't I didn't know who that guy is, I ain't gonna lie. Before the bonus sick. point, what team was he drafted to? Do you know what? Yeah, for this question, he was drafted from one team to another team. If you get the other team, I'll give you the bonus point. Darko Milicic. Okay. Yeah. It's either he went from like, I feel like he might have been from Dallas Mavericks to like New Orleans Hornets or something like that. So, but you, then you, you can give me two teams, and then if you get one of them, okay, I can give you two teams. All right. Uh oh, oh can we see that on Super Sonics as well? Nah, because he had. All right, I'm going to go with two random teams. Dallas and Phoenix Suns. Wrong and wrong. <laughs> hey, man. I hope you don't put any of this up. <laughs> it was. He was drafted to the Detroit Pistons from Memphis Grizzlies. That was. Okay. Fair. I, I, I gave you hard questions, I won't lie. 
No, yeah, yeah, why are you I, giving me these hard questions? I interviewed Brian Amanda yesterday. He got easy questions compared to you. I don't know why. I why you get? No, he's. I don't know. I should have given him these questions. He would get like wrong. He could do both, but this bonus question is difficult. I won't lie to you. If you get this, I'll salute you. <laughs> All right. What is it? Okay. In one minute. Okay. Since LeBron entered the league, he's had eight head coaches. In one minute, can you name me every single head coach he's had up until now? Up until now? Okay. From You're going to have to does this, is this, is this all NBA coaches or like yeah. including international coaches? NBA. Just oh, like all right. All right. Hold on. 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 I feel like I should give well, you I don't know. Huh? I think I should give you a two minutes for this. How many coaches has he had? Eight. Three? Eight no, eight. Eight, sorry. Eight. Eight coaches. All right. Tell me when you want the timer to start. <laughs> okay, good. Let's start it now. I'll give you two minutes, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go, go, go. Uh, let's see... Mike Brown. Uh, I can't think of his last name. Ludo. Tyron Lou. Yeah, Tyron Lou. Yeah, Tyron Yeah, Tyron Lou. Yeah, uh, head coach for the for the Lakers now, but I can't think of his name though. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Tyron Lou, Mike Brown. Um, uh, not Pat Riley, but old boy from. Miami, Miami head coach, Miami, Miami, Miami. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name either. Then he went to, went back to, yeah, the man left. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to. I can see the coach's face in my head, but I can't think of the names. Tyron Lou, Mike Brown. I can't. I, I actually don't know what coaches he had before Mike Brown. Yeah, I said Mike Brown, Tyron Lou. <laughs> Is that what you're gonna go for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all I can think of now. You still got twenty seconds. You know, you might, you might guess. Yeah, it. but I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of. I don't know the coaches. I don't know his coach that he had when he first got into the league. I, I just literally remember him starting, uh, start with Mike Brown, and that was it. Okay, I have to give you. You can't get the bonus points of five. That's fine. Um, I'll tell you. When he got into the league, it was Paul Silas. At Cleveland. Then he had Brendan Malone. Okay. And then he had Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown. He was in 05. Then he had Spolstra at the Heat. I thought you would get that. Yeah, Spolstra. Yeah, yeah, Spolstra. Okay. Then he went to Cleveland. He had David Black. Remember David Black? Then yeah, he, got, he, he basically got him sent away from yeah. Cleveland. So Tyron Luke came in. Yeah, yeah, Ty yeah. Luke, then Ty Lue. Then Luke Walton. At Lakers, the first year when you got there, and then oh, Frank, yeah. Frankie V, who's the man, the coach now. 
He's the new coach now. Okay, okay. Luke Walton. Hmm. Forgot about that, actually. Forgot Luke Walton was even a coach. Yeah. Well, just like one year. One year. That was it. Where's he at now? No, nobody knows. Yeah, no one knows. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> don't know what he's doing. That is the end of the Flexion Knowledge quiz. And Daniel, you scored a grand total of two points out of 15. But I won't lie, this is the hardest quiz I've ever given to anyone. So, <laughs> out of 15, damn man, that's tough. That was tough. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think this is the lowest ever. But I can't. Oh remember. man, that's no good, man. I gave you very difficult questions. I should have given you, these you to did. NBA. <laughs> well, yeah. You gave that on purpose. Yeah, you start asking about time and stuff. Like, oh, I remember the time. Wait, what? Damn, I can't remember that. But yeah, nice no, man. It's all good. Hey, it's all fun and game business. It's all fun. Doesn't mean that you don't know about the game or know about the yeah, sport. These, I mean, not many people would know these questions. I won't lie. You'd have to be a freak to know these answers. Some of them. But anyway, yeah, you do. Yeah, we we'll end up with the listeners' questions. And the first question is, what's your opinion on UK basketball and what do you think needs to happen for the UK to get the recognition it deserves? Uh, what is my opinion on UK best? So just getting people to talk about it more, really, um, is one thing. And raising like the profile of it in society because, of course, here in England... Your sports is like what football, uh, rugby, and I don't know, like boxing or racing or all those other like sports. But then basketball is like, it's like the, the the thought of basketball doesn't truly exist or isn't as mm-hmm. like important as other sports are. When mm-hmm. actually, it actually, it actually is. Like it's actually, it's actually a very competitive sport and stuff. So um, yeah, just getting people to open up like the, the, the minds about basketball and just actually understanding the game more. So, um, of course, people, I heard there's like loads of people playing it anyway, but then to play as a professional sport isn't, it's not the profession and the structure of it isn't put in a way like the pathways and stuff aren't there. So that's something to consider. And then, um, what else I think needs to happen is that facilities, you know, that's one thing that's lacking with the sport here in England is just the facility, facilities to, to be able to go inside and go play the sport somewhere. Like, you know, I'm, I know America is, like, completely different, but in America, like, there's not one street you can go down and you don't see a facility somewhere where you can play basketball, you can play mm-hmm. an indoor sport. Like, there's facilities, there's universities, there's everything that you could think of. And as long as you know people, and that's the only thing, that's what matters. Here in England, it's like facilities are, like, treasure you know it's like everybody's trying to profit off of people playing or using the facility to play a recreational sport which i mean it's kind of tough because it's it's like uh yeah it's kind of tough because it's like you want to say that okay i could get it from a business point of view but then also like why should someone have to pay to play a sport recreationally inside where in America and stuff like that like you could walk in and you could just literally just you don't have to pay anything like the facility is free it's there to use like you could go and play basketball sort of thing so I mean I guess there's that business aspect put in it but still it's just something that is 
kind of I, I found it very unusual when I first got here. Like if I wanted to go train indoors somewhere, I have to pay. It's my professor. I'm a professional athlete. Why do I have to pay to play a to pay my profession? Yeah, it's mad in So it. yeah, yeah. It is mad. It's mad. I still didn't understand it. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. I, I agree with you as well. Like even growing up, there wasn't mm-hmm. much facilities to play basketball. It was only just football and mm. athletics, if anything. But yeah. If anything, that's it. What is your ultimate starting five NBA? Ultimate starting five? Uh what now? Now or just like like over history of basketball? All time, all time, yeah. All time. All time. Mm, Magic Johnson, PG, uh, MJ, shooting guard, KD. Oh, that's tough. KD or LeBron? Both. Nah, nah, I can't put both of them there. KD, I love LeBron, and I have. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Because if I would. Yeah, let's go. Nah, let's go LeBron. Let's go LeBron. I'll go LeBron. Just because I'm a LeBron fan. I'll go LeBron over KD at the at the three. But uh, honestly, honestly, I wouldn't mind putting KD at the three as well. Like, mm. it'll be... They're both great players at the position. Um, So, uh, K, uh Le- LeBron at the three. Uh, AD at the four. AD, all time. All time? ADs on your all-time team. I mean, that, that's your opinion, obviously. I was just surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's other players I could think of. I mean, you got like KG, you got Timmy D, got Dirk. Yeah, I guess. No, wait. There's actually something to think about. No, that is something to think about. Got Dirk. You got. I mean, you got a large, a large one's footwork was impeccable. Still tough. Footwork was impeccable. Um, who else you got? Who else we got? No, I wouldn't put Palmer's. Of course not Palmer's. No. You know, yeah. That's kind of tough. AD, AD, you know, AD could actually go up there. Yeah. Nah. You know, let's let's go. Let's go. Um, you know what? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. That's tough too. I want to say KG actually. KG was a beast. KG was low-key a beast. Yeah, he was a beastie for and he could shoot the ball as well. And he didn't. Yeah, KG. Let's go, KG. KG. And then at the five. Oh man. Tough because you cannot stop him. Diesel. Shaq Diesel. <laughs> How about Kareem? Not Kareem. Look, I love Kareem, but it's like. If you used to match up Kareem and Shaq on a one-on-one, I mean, Shaq would probably eat him alive in the, in, by the basket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's tough. That's tough. Because then if you, yeah, it's because you think about, like, yeah, I mean, you think about, like, the type of dynamic that you have with, like, with the, the, the line, lineup that I just presented. I mean, everybody can stretch the floor out well. Actually, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. I like I like the lineup I got. Cool. Yes, that's it. So you, MJ, uh, MJ, no, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron, uh, 
who else I say? Uh, KG and Shaq. Cool, solid team. Okay, would you rather take okay, say playoff finals, Bristol, one second left on the clock? Are mm. you taking the shot or are you kicking out to the open man? How much time is on the clock? What this is last possession. Last possession. <laughs> last possession. Am I open? Huh? <laughs> Am I open? You have the ball. You're guarded. You're you're on fire. You've hit 45, 15, and five. You've done a LeBron against Boston. You're on you're on fire. <laughs> so they got three guys on you. You're driving to the rim. There's a guy wide open. <laughs> point shooter. Are you kicking out to him or are you taking it? Is the game tied? <laughs> No, this guy. The game, no, you're, you're you're behind. You're behind. Oh, we're behind. But how much? Behind by two. Yeah, I'm taking it. Why? Because either one of three things is going to happen. I'm going to make the basket. I might make the basket and get an end one, or I might get fouled and go to the free throw line. What? Or you might just miss. <laughs> Oh, I could just miss, but I, I'm more than sure. Yes, it's one of. Well, if, if 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 the person I'm kicking it to has been knocking down shots and has been making a contribution, yeah, of course, no doubt about that. If you have like both been making cool, shots. Would be, oh yeah, okay. I'm 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 selfish like that. I'll kick it to you, and I trust that you make the shot. Is it so? You would kick it out. You wouldn't take it on yourself. Yeah, no, nah, it depends on it depends on the situation, but probably not. Okay. I probably would I probably would genuinely kick it out. Actually, I would probably just genuinely kick it, kick it out, especially if I know like oh like I have these many people around me, so somebody's wide open. Okay. Somebody. So yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So you you're you're putting the whole destiny in someone else's hands. Okay. Yeah, oh. why not? Because I thought you were the captain. I thought you were the captain. I thought you were gonna take it by the scuff of the neck and lead by example. <laughs> but all right, fair enough. Hey, Hey, sometimes a captain doesn't always need to do that, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, look at LeBron. Look at LeBron and Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie's remember when they played uh when they played uh, Golden State and Kyrie knocked down a three point shot to yeah. take the lead. Mm-hmm. But, that but then LeBron good. came. That was different. Still, yeah. same thing. What last shot? I'm thinking of Game Five, Finals last year, where LeBron he was on form, he was hot. Was driving to the basket, kicked it back to Danny Green. He missed the shot. They lost the game. Went to game six. They won it eventually. But that sort of situation. Oh, okay. Scenario. Okay. Yeah, that sort of situation. Yeah. But then you, you think the person that you're kicking it to, I mean, he's a great shooter. Yeah. He's a great shooter. Danny Green's a good shooter. Like, he can't really get mad. But in those finals, he was, boy, he was, he was doing that. But I, I mean, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's difficult. If you kick it out and they miss, it's your fault. Kick out on the score. It's a great play. It's chalk and cheese. Yeah. That's play. it. The ball just has to go through the net either way. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather be a great player but a trashed legacy or a good player but no one remembers you? Mm. When you say a great player and a trash legacy, what is a trash legacy? I always use this example. <laughs> I guess I say... Your legacy is equivalent to R. Kelly. Oh no! Nah. <laughs> R. Kelly, that's that. He doesn't even have a good reputation. That's the way, but he was a great <laughs> artist. That's the thing. <laughs> great artist, 
terrible reputation. Yeah, would you have that or just no one remembers you at all? You're just a... everyone forgot. No, I, I I rather people remember me. I rather people not remember me than to have a trash legacy. Because that's not the kind of legacy I want to leave behind. You that's know what I mean? True, yeah. I have kids. I have kids in that. They like, oh yeah, my dad was just like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I hear that. Um, do you have any regrets in your life? Like, if you could change a part of your journey, what would you change? Uh, see how these things. Nah, I wouldn't. Because if if I if I changed any part of my journey, I wouldn't be here now. Uh, but if okay, let's just let's just think about it. If I was to change a part of my journey, it would probably be uh, it would probably be my choice as to what kind of basketball program I want to play for when I left from high school to uni. Okay. Yeah, because then, and what level I truly wanted, to, like, what was, if there's something I wanted to figure out, it would have been what was, what would have been more important, like playing experience and playing time, or just saying you got to a high level but never played. That's one mm. of those things. Okay, interesting. Who's the hardest player you've ever played against? Hardest player I've ever played against? Yeah. Mm, just in general. Uh, just in general, think about any players from college or university. I just play played against. I just play ever played against. Huh. I want to say, um. That's actually a really good question. I'm trying to figure out who who can I, I want, I'm trying to figure out some people from uni that I've that I've came across. And oh for, what's his name? Um he played for Oklahoma and he played with Buddy Buddy Hilt, uh Ryan something. He was like a big man, but he was like he was strong and physical. Like he was like like just like Damn, I need to get in the gym some more. You know what I mean, sort of guy. But yeah, he was he was he was smart. Um, he was actually very, and he could like stretch the floor as well. So he he's he's like he didn't have nothing to nothing to lose, sort of thing. Um, yeah, that wasn't that was like uni days. Another another player would have been like maybe. Uh, what's his name? Ali Frazier from. Well, he plays less now, but when he was at Glasgow, he's a bit more like. like he had, he has this kind of move that he uses where you it's hard to like kind of get around him, and if you try to get around him, then it's following you sort of thing. Yeah. So he's like that sort of like mind game tactical bit. Um, he he was actually really good at. So yeah, I say those two players. I can't think of that name. His his name is Ryan something like Ryan Spencer something like that. Okay. So, yeah. Which players did you did you look up to when you were younger, or have what you players up? I look up to? Yeah. What players did I look up to when I was younger? Even now, LeBron. Well. Yeah, LeBron James is definitely one. Um, LeBron's definitely one. Kobe was also another one as well. 
Uh, what's his name? Like you're just saying, like on the court wise, like playing wise, or just in general, like looking up to, inspiring, like actually want to be like them and stuff like that. Yeah, in general, actually, yeah, in general, actually, yeah, mm. beyond sport, sport beyond sport, yeah. Good, good question. Um, yeah, definitely LeBron, definitely LeBron in terms of like the way he carries himself and his like maturity and I guess sense of like sense of like genuinity. Um those like certain aspects that he he like always portrays always portrayed and still portrays now to this day like mm. it just seems down to earth and like very like he has this element of this this deep sense of like inner grounding and stability in how he approaches life and also like how he is with his boys and his kids and his family and stuff like that like you, you can tell like he's a he's a very family oriented oriented guy so mm. um yeah that's that's somebody who like still like, i aspired i aspire once maybe still aspire now to, to kind of like not saying be like but just some of the ways of being like what's helped him to get what, what certain things that he has or how he carries himself that's got him to ways that now sort of thing mm. so yeah lebron james and on lebron michael jordan or lebron james they're two different players, man. But it depends. Like, are you saying on the court, on the court, just specifically? Yeah. Who the goat? Yeah. Who the who's the goat? Yeah, the greatest of all time. This is where it gets interesting. We're talking about just someone who's gonna grind it out, grit it out, like dog mindset like hungry talking about someone who doesn't care what you think like talking about aspects of leadership then that's definitely like MJ you know that's definitely like that 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 mentality the mental side of the game that's MJ got that all day uh we're talking about someone who's just a freak of nature who's basically physically gifted but also has the the, the basketball IQ um uh, then that's LeBron you know, that's, yeah. it's it's kind of like one of those. It's it's a hard kind of debate to have because they both have different. They have different aspects of the personalities that make them the players that they are. You know, it's, it, if 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 we're gonna say if we're gonna compare anybody, it should be like Kobe or MJ. You know, that's the closest two that we can really com- compare it to. Yeah, but we and ain't we comparing know. them. <laughs> LeBron, who is he, who are you going for? <laughs> If I'm if I'm taking if I'm trusting someone to take the last shot, it's definitely MJ. Yeah, that's that case scenario. That's that's what MJ would do. Though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> he'll go one or three and tell you, "I'm going to get this bucket." Go one or three and still get the bucket. He's that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it just depends, man. But yeah, I will definitely pick MJ. Okay, MJ. Fair enough. A couple more questions. Who? Is the most uh, inspirational person in your life? Well, like, oh, that's what, oh, this is. Who's the most inspirational coach in your life? And what advice have they given to you? Most inspirational coach or people? I don't use that. People. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Good question. Uh, I'll say two p- two key people who I don't talk to now, but I still have them in my mind. 
uh, my head coach from Iowa State, Fred Hoiberg. Big up. Uh, yeah. Uh, just he's he was just calm, like he's just very relaxed and very poised with how he would talk and how he would be. He was like, like, dude, like Brian, like he, like you, you just never knew where the hell he was at, sort of thing. But every time you come to practice, like he would talk to us and see how we doing and stuff like that uh, from time to time and all that stuff. Um, his biggest thing was just, I don't know, I guess he, I guess he was a solid, he was, a, he was a solid sort of like player coach. Like he understood that we're players, but we're also, I guess, people behind, like, you know, people who, people, like we're also humans behind the aspect of our game or, you know, being an athlete and stuff. Um, so yeah, he was good like that. And then also, my old uh, instructor, my old professor from uni, um, a psychologist. Oh, he's he's like a psychology teacher. Um, so he's I always talk to him from time to time. Funny enough, mentioning talking about it, I haven't talked to him in a while. But yeah, he's like he's like my sort of father figure kind of guy, like someone who I can talk to and. Just kind of put it all out on the table years to me and you know gives me sort of advice that I need to kind of like make it through um yeah I say that those are like my two key sources of inspiration cool that's good yeah yeah um and two more um what advice would you give to like young ballers growing up or anyone who's facing adversity throughout their lives uh, I could give answers to both of those. <laughs> Which one yeah. you want me to give? Which one you want me to give answers to? Both. Yeah. Okay. So my advice for young ballers: uh, start learning the game. Like learn the game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. We can have all these moves in the book. You know, stuff like that. But ultimately, what sets you apart is your understanding of the game and like knowing where to be and how to play the pick and roll. How to look for certain. More, look at certain moments of the game and you know like just just those like nitty-gritty like attention to detail things that's going to help you to stand out like a coach will be more likely to pick a player who understands the game who knows the game who knows what how to like look uh, for certain things like player who knows how to pass and cut or you know go back door go sit the down screens just certain stuff like that than the player who would be trying to showboat and showcase the whole bag, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> as look as good as it looks, it's not going to fit into everybody's system, you know. So um, that sort of aspect uh, is 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 important, and just learn how to keep it simple as well. Um, in terms of those who are going through that ad- ad- adversity in life, listen, I get it. It sucks. It's sometimes adversity sucks. But ultimately, it's your view of it that's going to help you to either get over it or that's going to help you, that's going to make you keep on feeling the way you're feeling now. And if you have these sort of like views where, oh, man, life is tough. I'm not going to get over it. You know, of course, like you're never you're never going to get over it being that way. You know, mm-hmm. not complaining is going to get you anywhere. You know, it's always finding that motivation that when adversity comes, it's like, OK, the question is, what are you going to do about it? You know, and then that that puts you in a space of finding solutions as to how to deal with things. So, 
you know, that's, that's the best advice that I can give is, you know, not complaining and asking yourself the question, what are you going to do about it? That's it. Nice. And finally, what's next for Daniel Adozi? What's the future plans and your ambitions? Still trying to figure it out, man. <laughs> 28 years old, still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, I think I've, I think uh, that's some that's food for thought over like the next few months. You know, that's kind of it's kind of like yeah, right now I'm focusing the season, but no telling where I'm, no telling where I'll be in like what's this January, eight nine months from now. Mm. I could be still here in England, maybe not playing basketball, but doing something different. I could be, I don't know, somewhere in Europe playing basketball. I could be in America. Like, there's nothing's promised. So it's like kind of reserving. I would like to think that, you know, next year I'll go play somewhere else in Europe, you know, but who's to say that life might say, you know what? Yeah, yeah that sounds good, but I got a better door for you to walk through that's going to fill you with many different blessings you know this that sort of thing like nothing's never guaranteed you just gotta always kind of kind of keep your 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 mind open or keep an open mind and be open to different opportunities okay cool and we'll hope all the best for the future but daniel it's been a power-packed inspirational episode i want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story like i really appreciate it and i wish you all the best for the season keep on balling keep on blocking them shots getting them rebounds getting them noobs <laughs> and yeah man just wish you the best man. we'll see you for the next episode now nah, of course man of course man now nah, thank you for having me on your show man i really enjoyed it. i hope you enjoyed it uh, that quiz was the hardest thing I've had to think of all day. Oh, I, that, the hardest stretch of questions I've ever heard. So I'm like, yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, no, nah, it was fun though, man. It's fun. I hope you take away some good stuff. And thanks for allowing me to share my story on your platform and stuff. That's cool.